Do you want to know bona fide sign that a person you're talking to has zero personality? Go watch The Lion King and then tell them you watched the new Lion King and then they say uh, No spoilers please <laughs> Fall in a ditch In the words public enemies chat deep in the noise Fulfilling Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I will say, for the record, that that has nothing to do with anybody. Like nobody's. I haven't been in that situation yet. I haven't even seen the Lion King, so, <laughs> the new one, anyway. So just to just to say that isn't that isn't show anybody. It's just something I've. It's just something I thought of. Like I was this to a, I was this to a podcast, and they were talking about Lion King, and then yeah, that just came to my head anyway. The, the mind of a comedic genius over here. Anyway, welcome back everybody. Hope everybody's had a good week. Um, my week's been pretty, pretty, pretty chill. You know, not, not much, uh, not much been going on for once. <laughs> Literally for once, uh, nothing, nothing, not much is, uh, not much has uh, gone on. Nothing, nothing big. But um, yeah, I'm been, pre- I'm pretty calm right now. Pretty calm. It feels quite good. So uh, yeah, other than that, so. Um, yeah, can't really complain. So with that said, might as well just hop on, get into the show. Um, formalities, as always, before we begin, we have the email, we have the Facebook, we have the Twitter, all in the description below. And trying to think of anything else? No, not really. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Drop that beat. In a week where a prison ID card, once owned by late rapper Tupac Shakur, has sold sold, sold an auction for $30,000, which is about 24k in pounds, uh, the sale set a world record for the most expensive piece of Tupac memorabilia ever sold at a public auction. I ain't paying. Like, this, this, this is the thing, right? I like I like the concept of memorabilia. I would like to collect some memorabilia, you know, there's always, there's always something that, you know, you see, I remember in, I remember in, like, a high school, sometimes, I used to just, like, go on the computer, and we just look at stuff that, you know, you just look at stuff that you, you know you'll never get in your life, you know what I mean, unless you're stupid minted, you know what I mean, so, uh, there was one called, um, I think it was called, like, the James List, or something like that, and it was just yachts, Mad expensive cars, mad vintage cars, homes, islands. You can literally buy islands on that shit. It's crazy. So, yeah, you know, you sometimes look at that stuff and you're like, that would be interesting to have. Just imagine being so rich, so frivolous. But, yeah, I'm not paying 24k for a for a prison ID. Not even not, not exactly owned by Tupac Shakur, it just has his details on it, which, you know, it's, it's, like, it's cool. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not paying 24k for that. Um, Egan, Egan, Egan Bernal has become the first Colombian to win the Tour de France. Um, the Tour de France, the sports event that I watch maybe one round of, just out of curiosity, and then watch none of it for the rest of the, for the rest of the however many weeks. I swear, and it's actually going to be fun. This is actually going to tie into the um, sports segment, which is going to be quite amusing. So uh, just keep in mind how hard. <clears throat> 
how hard the Tour de France is as a, just as a concept, like riding a bike all them miles through France for days on end with no breaks, no no days off, you know, just just go to sleep, pick up the bike again, go ride again. Just 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 uh, just keep that in mind because it's going to be funny when I talk about sports, uh, sports segment. And uh, lastly, Casas Semenya suffers uh, yeah another setback as the Swiss Supreme Court has U-turned their recent allowance for her to compete. This will mean that she will not compete at the Doha World Championships, and which is happening in a few a uh, couple of months, uh, which is just unfortunate, obviously, and um, kind of. Um, kind of silly for the Swiss Supreme Court, like, what's changed, you know what I mean, what, what has changed in the past couple of months for the Swiss Supreme Court to U-turn their decision, um, IWF is still, oh, sorry, World Athletics, <laughs> fuck off, um, it's still a piece of shit for this, it's still a dumb conversation, actually, shout out to my boy, shout out to my boy Ben Carr, partner of uh, the um, on Digits crew, uh, DITG duo, he actually made a great point on Twitter uh, uh, today, actually, I think. Let me try and let me try and find the tweet because it was actually because it's very similar to what I was talking about, you know, previously when it was um, when I was talking about, you know, what if this is basically asking Michael Phelps to chop off his fingers, you know, what I mean, because he's just too because he's just too long armed to to and too and too long footed. He have to cut off his feet and hands just so you know, there's competitive so it removes the competitive advantage. But this is what he put. So Casemiro is born a woman isn't allowed to compete in women's events because it isn't a quote-unquote normal uh, woman, isn't born a normal woman, quote-unquote, by whatever definition that is. Imagine transitioning this to the business world. Can't own a company, you were born too smart, this isn't fair. Shout out to Ben, that's a bar. (laughs) That's a bar. I I rate that, that's that's a a heavy bar, I like that. So yeah, that's, that's just... It's just it's just is what it is at the moment, and hopefully Caster can keep battling. Uh, speak to her, and obviously here at the show, well, me at the show, like like there's a team behind me. I will keep on that as as I as the months go along, and ho- hopefully she can compete at the world championships because um you know it's not exactly it's not exactly correct, and I think I would consider it an asterisk if you know whoever won the eight hundred meters, you know, um, just if she didn't compete, then it will just be purposefully neutered you know what i mean and that's basically all people will talk about hopefully but anyway so let's um well you know what since i <laughs> since i mentioned sport uh let's get into sport in terms of topics today we have no film and tv we have two life segments and a music and a sports so let's get into sports because um so well this is going to be interesting in terms of how you're going to respond because um i'm going to talk about esports and just saying that word esports triggers either a positive either a positive inflection in your mind or a negative inflection in your mind it depends who you are and it's never it's never in the middle you're either fine with it or you're or you're not fine with it you know what i mean there's no there's no there's no in between here so as some of you have seen, uh, there was, well, I've seen a lot, actually a dumb lot, I didn't realise my Twitter was this packed with esports content, apparently, but anyway, um, recently, a couple of days ago, was the Fortnite World Cup, which, uh, which, which had the prize, first prize, the winner of the World Fortnite World Cup, Gained a nice tasty, bo- uh, nice tasty um, prize of thirty million dollars in prize money. So, just I just want you to 
again, think about you know, something like the Tour de France, something like Wimbledon, you know, anything, anything tennis, or even golf, right? None of those have the prize money as as big as for, at the Fortnite World Cup and even esports in general. Okay, it's it's just absurd if you look at the prize po- uh, the prize pools of esports tournaments. So let me just um let me just look up a couple uh, just 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 to just to just to just to give you a just to give you a. <laughs> Just to give you a like a, a, a taste of, of how it goes down. So I'm looking here on .esports.com and they basically just have the they just have a top ten I think it's top ten anyway. Yeah, pretty much top ten of like uh, the highest um the highest prize pools for any esports tournaments. So the aforementioned twenty nineteen Fortnite World Cup finals was at thirty point four million, okay? And not even, not even that. Just to, and we'll get to the we'll get to the details uh, uh, in a bit. <clears throat> but just to say, everyone gets a little bit, a, a little bit of the money. Okay, it's uh, that's the, that's the top prize. But everybody from second down to I think a hundred people get money. You get if you get into the world finals, basically you get like fifty k something like that. So just keep that in mind. But anyway, so number two, the international eight, which is a Dota two tournament, twenty five point two. Uh, 2018 League of Legends World Championship, which is 6.4, so so it dramatically goes down after that. But this is only the beginning, right? In terms of esports and money, um, if you want a if you want a, actually a good explainer, uh, go on Netflix to look up uh, the show Explained, done by the people of Vox. Uh, they do amazing 15, 20 minute uh, explainer explaining shows on. On loads of things, they do stuff like the uh, gender pay gap, uh, all the way to sex, to weed, uh, and also esports, and also K-pop, which was mad fascinating to me. Honestly, I, I was just uh, mad fascinating watch just to just to, just to say. But yeah, they do one. They've done an episode on esports, and if you give that a watch, they have a, they do like a little brief history on esports, and obviously like you know tournaments from like the nineties, and you know how localized they were, and now. Looking at how big they are now, how big they are, it's absolutely silly. So number four, Fortnite full skirmish series club standings four million, uh, Dota two Asia championship championship three million. Number six is three million. Number seven is two point six, and you and you get the rest. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money if you if you catch that dub, and especially for something like this, when it comes to the Fortnite World Cup, which is thirty mil, thirty mil. Let's get into this right quick. So this is um. This is by uh, Brian Armin Graham, uh, the Guardian here. So let's get into it. Nearly all established sports are going through some degree of hand wringing over attracting younger fans as the older core ages out. The death of the death of monoculture and explosion of entertainment options, many accessible without leaving one's bedroom, have seen attendance drop across the board. MLB and NFL teams have fallen over themselves installing on-site daily fantasy lounges to lure second screeners. Even the hidebound International Olympic Committee has uh, made transparent plays for youth, most recently with the addition of skateboarding, surfing and three-on-three basketball to next year's Summer Olympics in Tokyo. The demographics they're so thirsty for, excuse me, could be found in droves over the weekend at New York's Billie Jean King National Tennis Center. God, that's even, what a kick in the nuts that is. A tennis center, no less. 
Jeez, what kicking the nads for tennis. Uh, where, where three days of sold-out crowds turned out for the biggest video game competition of all time, the Fortnite World Cup. Where a 16-year-old from Pennsylvania named Kyle Giersdorf, a.k.a. Booger, B-U-G-Hey, it sounds like Booger, doesn't it? Like a nose Booger, but no, it's Booger. Um, brought home the winner's share of three million. Okay, so that's the so thirty million is the total prize pool, and three million is the top prize. Okay, let's just let's just go out of the way. But still, just thirty million chopped up with over a hundred people. Still, still mad. Anyway, uh, with the dominant performance in Sunday solos competition, it was the climax of a three-day marathon that saw a staggering thirty million in prize money doled out. A walk around the sprawling grounds where the US Open will take place next month raised a pressing question, not whether esports is the future of sports entertainment, but whether there's any possible scenario where it's not. Fortnite is a free-to-play sensation. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. We know what Fortnite is. We don't care. The open format meant that some of the game's most famous players, like Twitch megastar Tyler Ninja Blevins, failed to qualify for Sunday's solo finals, a 28-year-old from Detroit, instead settled for a spot on Friday's Pro-Am, a nod to the game's democratic and sometimes random underpinnings. Uh, the three-day World Cup finals consisted of a creative competition and a Pro-Am Creative competition and pro-am on Friday, and the duos competition on Saturday, and the singles championship on Sunday. The players manned their stations on a, on a state-of-the-art two-story playing stage, with screens depicting each char- each player's views uh, view in the game. Wall-to-wall color commentary was of was broadcast on Fortnite.com, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Mixer, and Caffeine. Some of the platforms allowed viewers to focus on their preferred player. The telecast featured all the hallmarks of a, of a major sporting event. Breathless announcers, splashy graphics, soft-focused profiles of the competitors that wouldn't feel out of place in NBC's Olympics coverage. The biggest names on Fortnite circuit are global celebrities, teenage millionaires with social media followings rivaling the world's most famous athletes. You may not have heard of 21-year-old Turner T. Tafu Tenny, but your niece probably has. It's a generational disconnect that even the biggest stars reflect on. The esports are, be- are a big business is hardly hardly news, but the splashy investment figures of the last decade have not always resonated with sports fans older than say 25. And yet esports have already been confirmed as a medal sport for the 2022 Asian Games. I didn't even know that. That's mad. Addition, uh, addition to the Olympic program would seem inevitable, though some in the industry say that esports don't doesn't need the IOC as much as the other way around, and a reluctance to surrender its autonomy and authenticity could pose a formidable obstacle. Uh, Booger's Booger's three million check, uh, three million dollar check was not only uh, was not the only life-changing windfall of the day. Psalm earned 1.8 for second, Epic Whale won 1.2 mil for third, and Creo bought 1.05 for fourth. The 25th through 100th place finishers took home the princely sum of 50 grand apiece just for showing up. Roughly the same as a first-round loser at next month's US Open. So I'm going to stop there. So uh, just... just just uh let's just let's just let that wash over us for a second, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I've known about esports for probably about four years. About four years now. Definitely since I got to university. Maybe maybe in passing when I was at um I don't think it was called esports, like f- like the fact that it's called esports and not, you know, 
VG game, VG Sports, or you know, um, or, or any other uh, label. I think it. I think maybe five years ago, it had loads of names, and nobody quite found a name for it. And once it got to around, I guess maybe three years ago, for me anyway, I knew exactly what esports was. It was just you know people playing video games for money. And what's interesting about this is that I don't think I I don't think that article. I don't think I, from what I know, which is very limited, I will admit. I could not begin to if I if I try to explain how big this is or how big esports is right now if you're not in the if you're not in the know I can I can I can really explain how big it is because it's kind of just a it's kind of just a phenomenon on its own that is in in mainstream circles, not exactly known about unless you're a unless you're a parent that has kids, or you're a kid yourself, or you're a video game nut job, you don't you don't know this, and that is a lot of people, you know. Uh, just just to, I don't I don't play video games anymore, partly just from a money and time standpoint. I just don't want to spend time on them right now. Um, the only times I do is when um you know I go to maybe a mace house and yeah something but you know that's that's, main, that's, that's usually the only time when some when one of my mates has uh, has something going on but uh, you know I don't do it I, I play some games on my phone now and again when I'm bored you know I have a bit of a what, what do I have on here Mortal Kombat Mortal Kombat literally just a uh, some uh, like a little golf game that like, you can do for like a minute. Just like a minute a game, just like you know, quick thing, just to uh, stave away the boredom. But other than that, I don't really play games. And um, even with that said, I'm I consider myself kind of plugged in, kind of kind of plugged in. Not exactly, you know, watching E3 live streams all day uh, when that comes around, or you know, conven- or going to conventions. I'm not exactly that deep into it when I'm doing that. But but I'm in the know. I mean, I mean, I keep, I keep up enough, you know. What I mean, where I know names of games and what's going on, and you know, what's the, what's the best game out there, yada yada yada. I, I, I know the surface, but esports, right? In terms of, we need to understand that it's not just like this is, this is a very basic uh, format for how esports is going down, right? So th- th- it makes sense, right? If you have one, you know, pro am tournament. Makes sense. Duos and singles, because obviously Fortnite allows that kind of uh, gameplay. Uh, it's understandable, right? But when you get into stuff like League of Legends, Dota, Call of Duty, even any any uh, what's the word? Um, I forgot the name of the games. But yeah, if you if you think of those kind of games, right? Those have genuine franchises behind them, like genuine franchises like like sports franchises okay there are t- there are teams with with actual professional gamers under them as an actual franchise and people own those franchises and they have teams everywhere so you can have one team right you can have you can have a big you can have a bigger esports team right let's call it um Let's call it What's Good, What's Good Gaming, right? <laughs> Let's say I have an esports team called What's Good Gaming, WGG, yeah? 
WGG, that's lit. Oh, I think I've got an idea here. WGG? W, get, uh, we get the dubs and we give you the GGs. What? I'm, I'm, I'm raking in the P right now, just in my mind. That's crazy. Anyway, so yeah, let's say we have a WGG, right? So I can, if I had the P, obviously, let's just say I have unlimited money, right? So I could get a team for League of Legends. I can get a team for FIFA. I can get, a, well, I can get a couple of players for FIFA. Um, I can get a couple of players for, I can uh, do uh, maybe NBA, maybe, um, COD. Fortnite, you can you can do it in all these games. Super Smash Brothers, Street Fighter, Tekken, any any game that has a tournament, right? And there are many of them. Um, if if we're thinking about Smash Brothers, uh, Smash Ultimate right now, uh, that's going to be the biggest. That's going to be the headline tournament at uh, Evo twenty nineteen, which is one of the biggest um, uh, uh, yearly tournaments, basically. Um, and they do and they do several games at Evo. So yeah. If I was, if if I was like a, if if WGG, what's the name? I love it. Was an actual thing. I could get, you know, players for different games, and they make, they obviously get them, they obviously get majority of the prize money, and we get the spot. You know, and WGG can get the sponsorships. You know, get the get the clout going, social media, whatever. You know, it's just a big agency, if if anything, and that's just how it is. That's that, and I'm just scratching the surface to be completely honest. I'm being very, very rudimentary with my explaining here. So if you want to look it up, please look it up. And I generally think you should, because honestly, it, it, the the it is the future. Let's be real. Um, I mean, I won't be watching Fortnite. <laughs> I won't be fo- watching Fortnite World Championships to the Olympics if it even gets there. And it's actually a good point saying that you know, the IOC needs them a lot more than they need the IOC. And it makes sense, because they can do their own thing, and, you know, they have been doing their own thing for years. Why would the I- why would they give themselves to the IOC? Why would they go under that, um- that dirty umbrella? Excuse me. Why would they go under that dirty umbrella? There's no reason for it. You might as well just do your own thing. And the people that will watch with people that will watch. And it's not even that. Just as a final point. As the plane goes by once again. It's not. It's not. It's not what's good without a plane going over, eh? It's, it's nice being under a flight path, anyway. So, last point. Um, the fact that it was hosted on, you know, Twitch, YouTube, and others, right? That's something that sports are trying to do. You know, sometimes you see a, a free game, maybe on Twitter, NBA or NFL. Um, I've sometimes I've seen a couple of those. Is is genuinely impossible, well not impossible obviously, but it's very hard at this point in time for the major sports franchises that well major sports that we know of, you know football, American football, basketball, etc. It's hard for them to make a dent here, because online because uh, in terms of online eyes because they have they may have their own you know uh, ways of watching you know f1 has f1 tv um nba have league pass and you can watch all the games there but it's not as seamless it's not as seamless as something like uh whatever a Fortnite world cup or a dota 2 championship it's not as seamless um you can't see you don't see the numbers and you see and sometimes when i i uh or when i watched like a street league last the other night and you see how many people are on there you see how many people are watching 
and that adds to it. That generally adds to it. You don't know who's watching, who else is watching when it's uh, when you're watching. I don't know Premier League game unless you go on Twitter constantly. But why would you do that? You're trying to watch the game. So they have the they have the online viewership on lockdown. They could get TV. They could get t- they could get on TV. They could, but then again, why would they? Because you can literally just get yourself a Chromecast and then just pop YouTube on your TV. You could do that. So. Um, if your if you if your eyes have glazed over all of this, and you don't consider esports sports, then I mean, by all means. But <laughs> uh, in I like to I like to say as a life motto, it's only the beginning, and that's kind of all I can all I can say about esports is only the beginning. So we move on to uh, let's move on to our first life segment of uh, of the day. So I kind of didn't even I kind of don't even really well, I wouldn't say I don't want to talk about this. I always want to talk about this kind of stuff, obviously because it's my vibe. But um, I kind of just wanted to read it simply because of who wrote it. So big up uh, Miss Ethel Hirsch, uh, one of the best columnists out there. Uh, especially when she talks about con- hit the table again. Uh, especially when she talks about you know race in any anywhere. Actually, um, she's very she's very educated. I think she's a former barrister or lawyer, something like that. So she 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 was in that she was in that realm for a, for a good while. She probably still is, I'm pretty sure. But uh, but her writing is impeccable, and uh, I just thought I, I just thought this would be a perfect time to read this, and also a perfect time to talk about you know just um just my bi monthly talk about Trump, why not, because I, I try, I make a good, I make a good survey effort not to talk about him on there, because, you know, what, what, what can I tell you that hasn't been said anyway, but yeah, let's get into it anyway, so this article, I, I urge you to read this by the way for yourselves, because, um, and just follow Apple Hirsch in person actually, because she's just great, um, whenever Trump says infested, we know he's talking about people of colour, uh, this is via The Guardian as well, so it's a little opinion piece by her, so let's get into it. I've never accused anyone of being prone to infestations, but if I were into, if I were inclined to sink that low, I suspect my attention would be directed towards the 45th president of the United States. It's not it's not all Donald Trump's fault. Who can blame anyone for spending most of their life in New York, a city I love, despite the fact that it harbors one rodent for every four people? Trump hardly had the choice about moving to the White House in 2017 home for two centuries, reportedly to an unwanted population of rats, ants, and even raccoons. Yet it's hard to avoid holding Trump directly responsible for a wider range of public health hazards reported as luxury Mar-a-Lago resort. 78 78 people were reported in the three years to 2017, including soiled kitchen utensils and potentially parasite-affected smoked salmon. Hard to ignore... Hard to... Hard to ignore the fact uh, that his son-in-law Jared Kushner has been described as a slum landlord for the multiple health and safety violations reported in his family in his family firm, family firm's 9,000 Baltimore properties, including mice, maggots, and mold. It's pretty disgusting enough to make you lose your appetite, but not to break your heart. That fee is reserved for 
Trump's neck, one he has demonstrated many, many times of dehumanizing human beings, projecting the idea of, quote, infestation onto their every very existence. Because let's be clear, when Trump talks about a place being, quote, infested, he means it's inhabited by people who are not white, whether Ebola-stricken West Africa in 2014, Atlanta in 2017, home to more than African, home to more African American graduates than any other city, sanctuary cities, quote, sanctuary cities in 2018, with their offer of sale har- safe harbor for the un- for undocumented migrants, or the squad for progressive congresswomen, all Americans, all women of color, whom Trump said should go back to the crime-infested places to which, in his imagination, they belong. Now he describes Baltimore, a city with proportionally one of the highest African-American populations in the U.S., a, quote, disgusting rat and rodent-infested mess. Holding the respected black congressman who represents the district, Elijah Cummings, responsible. As usual, the people most affected by Trump's escalation of racist rhetoric Black and brown Americans have been doing the work of explaining why Trump's words carry racial undertones. A CNN anchor who grew up in Baltimore broke down on air. Quote, a lot of people get up and get up and go to work there. They care for their families there. They love their children who pledge allegiance to the flag, just like people who live in districts of congressmen who support you, sir. Victor Blackwell said they are Americans, too. It's as maddening as it is moving to watch Blackwell feel compelled to explain after Trump described Baltimore as a place no human being would want to live. That is, friends and family are indeed human. As black people, we keep having to defend our humanity because accompanying the racism that is revealing itself to be a central plank of Trump's re-election strategy, the president insists he is, quote, not racist. Being racist while you are not racist is a modern phenomenon of the modern age. It's the same story on both sides of the Atlantic. Even Boris Johnson's choice of racist slurs mirrors the Trumpian playbook when he described Africans as age-ridden or published comments about people of Caribbean heritage multiplying like flies. Connotations of infestation were equally clear. One of Johnson's first acts as Prime Minister was to bring back Zach Goldsmith, whose mayoral campaign even senior Tories denounced, loaded, at, loaded as it was with uh, Islamic, Islamophobic rhetoric that attempted to link Sadiq Khan to Islamic extremism and crudely stereotyping British Indians. Not only that, but Johnson turned to a key, ar- turned to a key architect of Goldsmith's campaign, Mark Fulbrook, in his successful bid for the Tory leadership. Uh, excuse me, I got lost for a second there. That both Trump and Johnson claim to not be to be not racist is irrelevant. No one ever admits to being racist anymore. Trump, for instance, has gone to the trouble of interspersing his racist Twitter timeline with support for rape for the rapper ASAP Rocky, currently detained in Sweden on an assault charge, and last-minute meetings with inner-city black pastors. Johnson has made a made plenty of ethnic minority appointments to his new cabinet. But it's immaterial because being not racist is a meaningless claim. Neither Trump nor Johnson seems to understand that being not racist is not and has never been the opposite of being racist. Not racist is an attempt at neutrality, usually deployed because events have just shown that no such thing exists. As the author Ibram X. Kendi points out in his forthcoming book, The Opposite of Racist is Anti-Racist, 
which involves taking active stance, identifying and dismantling the legacy of racism that still characterises our societies. If an anti-racist wanted to pick, unpick his legacy, I can think of a few better places to look than Baltimore. The Maryland city has real and chronic problems that are symptomatic of the, of the American story. From the great migration of Amer- African Americans fleeing the pro-slavery, pro pro-segregation South in the 19th century to the 20th century industries that kept them on low wages to redlining, overtly discriminatory housing practices that pushed black residents into poor, underserviced and marginalized districts, Baltimore is as good a place as does any to study the racism that any American leader should urgently address. It's hardly news that Trump isn't interested in addressing poverty and racism, or that he will try to distract those who do. But to racially abuse and dehumanize the citizens who will always bear the brunt of these ongoing failures of leadership, that is a truly squalid thing to do. So big up Ethel Hirsch, Miss Ethel Hirsch there, that was a great piece. Um, so imagine, right, imagine if, um, imagine if uh, Ethel mentioned a city Khan, right, mayor of London, right, what if he just went, what, what if he just went, like, a uh, said about, something about, like, a piece, like a borough of London, I don't know, like, Croydon or whatever, right, and he said, like, uh, uh, Croydon's trash <laughs> just, just that just that just that would send it into an uproar right and then he'd have to you know bat away just um you know the allegations like oh you, you don't like Croydon why don't you like Croydon no 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 you're the mayor of London you have to support every, every part of, you have to support your constituents you know what I mean this dude this dude Trump right is shitting on a whole city that he's in a country that he's president of just think about that right of all places so it would even make see so people would people could say right if you're an avid defender of trump right you could be like um you you could see him talk about any other country right and say anything about those and you could spin that into whatever you want it to be, right? I mean, the facts are he's a piece of shit, but you could you could you could spin it if you really wanted to. But how can you defend this, right? A city, a whole, a whole city, where, like Miss Hirsch said, is a great encapsulation of American history. Put simply, um, how can you how could you support? someone that says that, and even when I say that, right, I just, even saying that just sounds dumb to me, the fact that I just said that, you know, how could you support that, it's easy, just close your ears to that shit, people find it so easy these days to close their ears to this crap, and, you know, to some extent, I'm, I do it as well, I always take account of it, you know, whenever a piece of news about Johnson or or even Trump sometimes, you know, most of the time, I read it and then I just move on with my day. You know, there's no, there's no, with Trump, it's, it's a matter of you either read him or you don't really. It's the same as esports in a way, where you're just like, you rate him or not, uh, you either like it or not. 
and it and he's and he's obviously going so hard in this re-election campaign that it's very hard to tip to the other side even if you wanted to you know what i mean how can you possibly support the dude and then not support the dude you know what i mean cuz the line has been passed so many times so many times if you're supportive of him of course you know if if he's talking about other countries if he's talking about uh, you know rightly elected officials as a part of congress but a whole city and then just shitting on them mm. it is one it is just a uh, i don't really have anything else to say on this Partly, I just wanted to read that just because, just because I enjoy Miss Hershey, Hershey's writing, and you know, just um, just so you know that you know this uh, this shit continues, and I would happily say this, right? I think this is something that people have to make a stance with now. Because think about it, right? Ten years ago. Just think about ten years ago. If you were... If a race issue came up in the news, right? If it was a race issue, race issue that came up on BBC News or or Channel 4 News, whatever, and you'd see on the TV, right? You could easily just move along and it wouldn't affect you as much. Especially if you're white. Um, and this is basically a message to white people anyway in general, because <laughs> it always is. Um, it's, it's becoming increasingly harder and harder to, and this is, and this is kind of a good thing, by the way, kind of, you can see the positive side of the coin anyway, because the negative side is the, is the fact that this shit is constantly on the news and is gradually being normalised and gradually being dragged into the Overton window and I've explained that before um, if you want to look out the Overton window um, that's on that's on obviously the negative side of the coin but the positive side of the coin to find anything from any positive from this kind of shit is that it forces people that either don't care about race or, you know, I'm one of those people that, you know, go like, we're all humans, man. <laughs> all humans, man. Just, uh, you know, just, uh, just gotta love each other, man. Unfortunately, the world isn't like that anymore. You know, I don't think it's... It probably hasn't ever been like that. Is it even in our nature to be like that? That's a, that's a very that's a very existential question. I'll just leave that. I'll just leave that in the air. I won't bother answering. But yeah, just it's not like this. Life life is not like that. Unfortunately, there are societal uh, there are societal norms and systemic problems that, especially in the UK, less so in the, less so in the US. In the US, is more pronounced because they wear because they wear it on their sleeve in some way. But it's less pronounced here in the UK where the systemic, what's the word? 
oppression, basically. Systemic oppression that people like me and other people in the BAME spectrum suffer, well, maybe not on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, doesn't really matter amount of time, but situationally, there's always situations where I wonder where I, w- I wonder is it is it because is it because of my skin? You know, to quote to to quote that really old joke from back in the day. Is it because I is black? <laughs> I don't really know where I'm going with this conversation, to be honest. But I just wanted to talk about that and just uh, and just shout it out because it's always something worth thinking about from a very existential point of view <laughs> and honestly I just wanted to uh, I, I just wanted to shout out so take what you will from that take what you will from the uh, from the uh, call from Miss Ethel Hirsch big up Miss Ethel Hirsch and um, you know take account of what's going on just just take account for it and when you're when you're and when you're ready guys when you're ready to you know take a stance on some of this shit let me know so we move on to um <clears throat> so we move on to music this is gonna be a mildly quick one um yeah, it's just it's just something that I've pa- it's just something that I passed uh, recently. It's uh, it's a death. It's a death of a it's a death of a mainstream wise little known producer. But if you're if you're in the scene, if you're in the specific hip hop scene, then you know his name, and you know his uh, and you know his work, and you know his influence. Uh, so his name is Russ Russ G R A S G uh, Russ G, and uh, he died the other day. Uh, well, yesterday actually, uh, uh, age thirty-nine, and this is getting to it. So this is uh, this is by Ben uh, Beaumont Thomas of the Guardian here. Uh, Hip hop and funk producer Russ G, uh, co-founder of the influential Brain Feeder Collective, has died age eighty-nine. No cause of death, no cause of death have been has been given, uh, but he revealed in December that he had diabetes and pneumonia. Born Gregory Shorter Jr., Russ G was known for cosmic Afrofuturist music that mixed genres including jazz, funk, soul, hip hop, and psychedelia. He released 24 albums and mixtapes since his debut in 08. Collaborative, collaborative artists including Thundercat, Open Mike Eagle, and frequently appeared at the Low End Theory, the Los Angeles club that helped helped to reintroduce funk, jazz, and electronic music to the city's hip hop scene. Brainfeeder co-founder Flying Lotus tweeted, Russ G has left the planet far beyond the galaxy. Show us the way to the cosmos, my friend. I will love you forever. Thank you for your time on Earth. Very difficult to imagine life without Russ G. Producer Hudson Mohawk also paid tribute. So incredibly sad, Russ G was a true visionary and a weirdo in the greatest possible sense. Producer Carl Cray called him one of the baddest uh, in the game. Musician and poet More Mother wrote, Rusty was a real one. Believe in the power of uh, power of music to heal the planet. Um, yeah, so I, I wanted to talk about this, not in terms of Rusty, but in terms of 
Um, in terms of inspiration, right? So just just follow me here. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit back for this one and just pull the mic forward a little bit so I can just uh, so I just want to muse for a bit. Um, so as I, as I've gotten as I, as I've gotten older, yeah, I'm only 23, just to say. But as I've gotten older, right, in the past, especially the past few years, I've grown up a lot in the past five years, I think. Um, I've started to notice how many, even in, even in the social media age, right, how many communities there truly are. So, I never heard of Rusty until, you know, yesterday, until he died, just being, just being completely honest, and I, and, you know, so, I, I do find that kind of weird, uh, especially this year, where people have died, and uh, people start listening to them, you know, like Nipsey Hussle, for example, was a big example, where... There was a there was a thing going on where people you know started listening to his music, and there were people that were going online you know saying like, oh oh now you oh now you're listening now you lot are listening to his music now now that he's died. I don't really like subscribing to that. It's subscribing to that um, mindset. I find it very, very um, just. A little bit backwards, to be honest. Where it's just in our nature, right? That when someone's died, we we take time to you know give him. I don't want to say give him their flowers. That's a really it's a really basic way of saying it. But yeah, for lack of a better phrase, giving them their flowers. And you know, you've heard the you've heard the line, "Give them their flowers while they're still alive." You know, yada yada yada. And you know, in, in the case of Nipsey. How old was the dude? You know what I mean? So he was—he wasn't exactly old, was he? So, we—the reason why, you know, for if there's any reason for people not to give Nipsey the, his flowers, is because he was—he was still young. We understand—we understand why we give flowers to old people because they're old. You know what I mean? Go watch, uh, go watch uh, the Netflix, uh, Netflix thing, uh, Quincy. Or the Black Godfather, which I still need to watch. Go watch that because those two guys, Quincy Jones and um, I forget his name. Just go watch Black Godfather. I know it's called the Black Godfather. I forgot, I forgot the dude's name. But yes, they're in their they're in their old age, and it's logical to give them their flowers now. Of course, you're not going to give Nipsey Hussle his flowers, uh, however however old he was, because he was bloody young. So to to give that attitude, right? To say that oh oh, you, oh oh now you guys are fans. No 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 no. It's it's garbage. He was he was thirty three. Okay, he was thirty three. He died at the age thirty three, and Rusty died at thirty nine. So, you know, why would you give him flowers now? They've got plenty of time. They've got you know they've got more time to they you know in the perfect world they had more time to grow. They had more music to release. They had more things to do. But unfortunately, life happens like that, okay? But anyway, I'm getting off track a little bit. So, I just um, I just find it fascinating how we cannot... We, we don't know some people until they die, right? And once we do... Once we do 
do what I'm doing here, which is, um, you know, just um, hailing a a lot of a very Los Angeles centric producer, you know, known a lot in LA circles and in, you know, some hip hop circles, not all of them. It's not mainstream or anything. You know, have you guys even heard of Brain Feeder? Have you guys even listened to Flying Lotus? You should. It's very interesting. Uh, very interesting uh, listens. But, um, yeah, you know, they're just, they're just small, uh, small community. I, lo- I love how, I love how, I love how when you get more into, when you live more, when you live more life, right? You start to get into small communities of, you know, of, of appreciation of something, right? And obviously, you guys know for me, there's there's, there's a film there's a film community I like. Um, there's a there's a music you know music and hip hop especially community I'm rating. UK jazz is something I'm trying to get into, and that'll hopefully grow for myself in the in the next couple of years. <laughs> I love these little. I love these little pockets of community because they make us. They make us feel special in a in a in an age where nothing's special, you know. Where you go on social media and everyone's listening to the same artist you are, or everyone's watching the same film, or talking about the exact same thing, trending hashtags, you know, it can, it can get kind of, it's, it's very watered down, it's very diluted, so when I think about people like Ross G, like in Nipsey Hussle, who, who have unfortunately passed, but they leave behind a community that has still yet to be unearthed in the mainstream sense I find it always I always find it interesting taking a quick look into those communities and just seeing what they've been doing you know it's, it's part of my I guess I guess uh, overall ethos of you know we're all we're, we're always students you know from life from, from birth to death we're always students of something you know always learning regardless if you're actually trying to or not which I know some of you aren't <laughs> no shade um but yeah it's um it's quite it's quite fascinating um thinking about how you how how, how do you how do, I, want, I want to ask a question about how do you guys you know and, and you don't have to actually you know answer but just think, just think in your head, right? How many communities are you in? You know, just just think about it, right? Whether it's you know, sports or music or arts or whatever, political party, <laughs> um, way of writing, I don't know, knitting, whatever, painting, juggling. Um, you know, just uh, you know, just just think about how many communities you're in, right? Because I really believe that it's those small things that really make us who we are, and I think it's less. Pro- I think it gets less pronounced when we go on, uh, when when we go on social media sometimes, and unless you have all your people in one setting, 
then you don't really see it. You know what I mean? And it could be said there's, you know, a negative side of this, which is echo chambers. And, you know, it's, um, of course, they, of course, you know, it's always worth popping the bubble in terms of, you know, um, looking at opinions outside of yours. But it is also comforting sometimes to know that you have a certain set of people that enjoy the things you enjoy and you and you can live your lives as usual but you always, excuse me but you always have that you always have that community of whatever your interest is and you can talk about that for days that's kind of what i get from um, when i think about the death of frost g and also nipsey as well you know just thinking about how he re-energized a whole scene in a whole city that's crazy to think about that's crazy to think about obviously it wasn't just him you know it's obviously a lot of, there was probably a lot of other people as part of that scene but obviously clearly from what i've seen if you want to read some articles about him uh, i recommend uh, i recommend looking up microchop big up uh, Gino Sorcinelli who uh, heads up that and he's been he's been on Twitter uh, the past couple of days retweeting a lot of articles about him and he also has one uh, where he talks to him so uh, it's a if you want to know more about him there's a, look up microchop on a uh, medium uh, the uh, writing platform just look that up and uh, there's some couple of stuff there and also follow microchop on Twitter as well because he's uh, done a lot of good stuff there so big up Gino Sorcinelli but yeah um I just find it fascinating how you know when you see someone who's died and you're like, oh, who's that? And you look into it just a little bit and you just see a whole community just under the rock. You know what I mean? It's kind of fascinating and I just uh, I just uh, can't wait for the day where maybe I can find that really small community and just help bring that up to the forefront because I just, I don't think there's any... There's not many better legacies that you can you can make than uh, the, the, there's not many better legacies and you can leave than um, getting a community small small as you think is small small is and just help that grow and help that make it into a healthy sustaining thing where people can be happy in their happy in their own bubble. There's something peaceful about it. Yeah. Shout out to the people building their communities. It's what makes... It's kind of what makes us special in some way. So, we leave on to the last topic of the day. And we're going to keep it short, because... It's kind of it kind of says everything on the tin. Um, I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to highlight this simply because of where we're at politically. So this is called uh, more than f- four million people in the UK are trapped in deep poverty. Study finds this is by Patrick Butler, social policy editor of the Guardian. 
More than 4 billion people in the UK are trapped in deep poverty, meaning their income is at least 50% below the official breadline, locking them into a weekly struggle to afford the most basic living essentials an independent study has shown. The Social Metrics Commission also said 7 million people, including 2.3 million children, were affected by what is what it termed persistent poverty, meaning that we're not only in poverty, but had been in uh, but had been for at least two of the previous three years. Highlighting evidence of rising levels of hardship in recent years among children, larger families, lone parent households and pensioners, the Commission urged the new Prime Minister Boris Johnson to take urgent action to tackle growing poverty. The Commission's chair, Philippa Stroud, a Conservative peer, said there was a pressing need for a concerted approach to the problem. Quote, it is time to look again at our approach to children and to invest in our children as a future of our nation. Campaigners, campaigners said the Commission showed austerity had undermined two decades of anti-poverty policy by cutting $40 billion a year from our work and pensions budget through cuts and freezes to tax and credits and benefits. The government has put progress into reverse, said Alison Garnham, the chief executive of the Privacy, uh, Child Poverty Action Group. Finding The finding echoes... Uh, Sorry, it found that 14.3 million in the UK uh, in the UK in poverty, 4.5 million were in deep poverty, a third of all those on the breadline, and 7% of the population. In cash terms, this means a couple of uh, a couple with two children would have an income of less than 211 a week after housing costs, and a single parent with one child would be on less than 101 pounds 50 pence a week. The finding echoes wider concerns about the re-emergence of extreme poverty, known as destitution, which separate research, which separate research has shown, the uh, shown was experienced by estimated 1.5 million people in the UK as a result of benefit cuts and high rents. A destitution level of income is 140 a week for a couple with two children. Although overall rates of poverty have changed relatively since the uh, since 2000-2001, certain groups such as children, children of low parents and pensioners have hard have had hardship levels rise since 2013 as a result of austerity measures such as the benefit freeze reversing earlier downward trends the commission said. There have been there has been a dramatic rise in child poverty in families with three or more children up to 9 points since 2013-14. This is in part a result of policies that penalise larger families such as the benefit freeze, the figures do not capture the impact of the two-child benefit limit introduced in 2017, which is likely to push levels even higher. So I'm just going to leave it there, because uh, there's, the there's the rest of the article if you want to uh, read that. So I'll put that on the fifth element, as always. So this is just um, in my, you know, weekly agenda to say that all this exit from the EU crap is should be irrelevant you know it dominates the news constantly talked about and then there's shit like this where we're bringing up the word the actual logical phrase the scientific not scientific the um the lawful phrase of destitution guys we're a top eight country in well we're supposed to be a top eight country in the world and 70 percent of our population is is going down the shit. I'm sorry to leave this episode. Uh, leave this episode on a on a bum note, but that's just mm, that's just how it is, isn't it? That's just how life is sometimes. You know, after um, sometimes I just have to. I know this, this has been one of those shows, right, where it's just been, 
you know, it's just it's, it's, I know it's been very fifty-fifty. Um, you know, esports and in a, in one way, Rust G was supposed to be um, in some way positive because um, you know I do I do find you, you can find positives in those kind of things. But <clears throat> talking about this kind of shit, just I sometimes wonder where why 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 do I talk about this sometimes? Do I just want you guys to be sad? <laughs> Maybe. I do sometimes want. I do sometimes wonder why I talk about this shit sometimes. Cause it's just I. I do sometimes feel like I'm just talking to a wall. Um, there are stuff you guys can do, obviously, and there's stuff I can do as well. Uh, but for now, what I'm trying to do is just trying to flag up this kind of shit and just reiterating my point that. All of this crap that we're going through right now, in terms of the EU uh, leaving, is a it should be irrelevant. There is so much stuff going on under that that should be focused on. There should be primary focus. Ten years ago, this would be primary focus. This will be on the news every day until it's sorted. But no, it's just going to be more EU crap, more and more of that. October thirty first. October 31st. N- ha- uh, no deal. Make preparations for a no deal. That's all it's going to be. So I'm just going to leave you on that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been What's Good. I hope you enjoy the show. Um, I'm going to go walk the dog. <laughs> like I always do. Uh, I don't know what music to listen to, actually. I might listen to some Mariba. Mariba? Mariba? I've, I've, I don't know how to say her name, but I'm going to listen to her. I'm going to listen to her, so that's going to be fun. Um, as always, all articles will be in the 5thelement.org.uk if you want to read any of those. Uh, again, for yourselves in your own voices, because sometimes my voice can be quite disorientating trying to read, because sometimes I don't prepare for it, and I don't... <laughs> I don't read the thing fully sometimes. I'm just like, let me just read and, let me just read live and see what happens. But anyway, um... <laughs> Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. <clears throat> Interlude music is Vista by Poldor. Uh, both of their links to their pages uh, will be uh, via Bandcamp will be there in the description if you want to listen to any of their music. Amazing music, I always say. Thanks to Chill Records for the ability to use them, uh, to use those uh, songs. And yeah, from the Fifth Friend Podcast Network, I have been Charlie Taylor. This has been What's Good. Hope you guys have a good week. Open your minds. Listen to new things. Have a good week. I'll try and do the same. And until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.